There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for another week. Um, as I always do, I like to mention uh, sort of the past uh, shows over the last week or two. And last week um, we repeated what has been actually out of the archive, which is about 300 shows now, um, one of the most popular. And I'm delighted to say it's actually on my book. It was on the power to get things done, whether you feel like it or not. Um, so, um, And we talked about the principles of uh, getting things done and doing those things when, you know, you just don't feel like you want to uh, get into action uh, or maybe you're out of your flow doing those tasks or you know but what it's what's really important is and, and I learned when I set up my business was you have to do the things that you you need to do to run a successful business and not just the things that you like to do so in the interview we talk about that uh, the week before I did a live interview with uh, Leon Logothetis and Leon um, has a show called The Kindness Diaries on Netflix. And he came to me through my son, Matthew, who said, you've got to watch this show, Dad. It's brilliant. And uh, I watched his show on and binge-watched this series um, where this uh, guy goes around the world, circumnavigates the globe on a yellow motorbike with a sidecar, living off the kindness of strangers. And then when people have been particularly kind to them, um, giving them um, expected gifts, like transforming their orphanage or buying them a tuk-tuk or something like that, because actually um, Leon uh, was a stockbroker and, and has money. And they created a show about this. And I think it was you know, really fascinating to listen to the show. It's lovely for my son because he, he really admires Leon, so he listened in as well. And I think uh, one of the key things I took from that is just this thought that we have so much technology today. And you're listening to this show um, all around the world, we know every week um, over 32 countries access this show or one of the recordings. And it's incredible, isn't it, how technology has created this amazing connection. However, um, the reality of it, too, is that in some ways we've become less connected to the really true fiber of life. And, you know, in that uh, those elements of life that are really important, like really deeply connecting with with people and remembering some of those values that are really important because when you look back on, on your life um, when you're maybe old and you look back and it won't be those hours that you're thinking about or remembered for or it might be um, when you spent your time on your mobile device or whatever it's actually when you truly connected and add value, added value to people so I recommend uh, having a listen to that if uh, kindness is something that's you know important to you it's important in business we sometimes forget and, and some of our politicians could do with remembering that uh, too so how important do you think is age and experience when it comes to entrepreneurial success I've got a, a great guest today uh, he's um, his name is Ben Ravel he's a young entrepreneur he's a serial entrepreneur and he's got a background in luxury goods he was the founding member of three previous startups and uh, to try and understand um, the qualities needed to be a successful entrepreneur I thought he'd be a great guy to talk he's got a fascinating uh, business that he's developing now 
in the city of London. He's only 29. And uh, Ben, I've got a bit of a, a shock for you. I actually turned 50 last week. And believe me, I can remember being 29 really well. It doesn't seem long ago. So believe me, uh, one day you will be as old as me. Um, so uh, keep on making uh, the most of it. Now, Ben is um, leading the team at Wine Buyers, and they're executing uh, an amazing vision um, which uh, links together his expertise and his passions of wine and technology. And Wine Buyers actually just completed a Series A funding round and secured over a million pounds of investment in uh, what is a really uh, unique and interesting idea. So I thought it'd be great to talk with somebody today who's um, who's young, uh, successful, uh, into entrepreneurship, who's taken a business through its uh, you know round of funding we've had before, uh, you know angel investors on the show, people like Jonathan Farl a few weeks ago. So I thought it'd be great to talk to somebody who's been through that journey. So uh, a big welcome to uh, Ben Ravel. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. Hi, you're, uh, you're very welcome. Carry on. Yeah. So, um, so I give you a little quick background on wine buyers and. No, that, yeah. yeah, please do. Um, I, but I, before you do that, what I'd um, I'd like to do is maybe just get a little bit of a background on you, uh, because uh, you know it's so easy to come onto this show and just talk about you know your your current um, project. But I think people are are really interested in Ben. You know, did you know you become this entrepreneur at twenty nine? And you said at wine buyers, and we'll talk about wine buyers. But you know, what really makes you tick? And you know, is this something that you know, you have uh, you know you you was sitting around a you know family business when you were young and you learned that way, or uh, is this something that comes intuitively to you? Um, so I'm just really intrigued to find out a little bit about your background. You know, where did you start out, Ben, and how did you end up in this uh, world of entrepreneurship? Sure. I mean, I had a pretty normal upbringing. I'd say I got to travel quite quite a lot as a child, um, and that's where my sort of sense of adventure really came from. Uh, I used to like going, tasting different foods, different wine. Um, and experience different cultures. Um, I was also obsessed with building things. If I went to, I went to a city and saw people carving little sculptures out of wood. Um, I was convinced that I could do it, so I'd go back home and, and do exactly that. Um, and now I've gone from building things to, to sort of trying to build businesses. Um, oh. And yeah, I mean, with the uh, with entrepreneurship, I'm not sure I ever wanted to do it. It's something I just sort of fell into. I had a, a light bulb moment when I must have been about 12 or 13, I suppose. Um, my parents used to give me pocket money for doing chores around the house. And I remember one weekend, I, I used to get £10 for, for mowing the lawn on Saturday. Um, and then I'd, I'd pay my friend Matthew down the road £5.50 to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my sort of eureka moment there. This is there's something here. And it sort of developed from there. That's, that's, I like that, like that idea. And you were brought up in... You know, un- the university town of or city of Cambridge, a uh, beautiful place. Uh, did you go through the formal sort of degree process or did you, you know, leave school at 16 and start your first business? How did that work? I didn't. I did go to uni. Um, I was, yeah, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, which is probably why being an entrepreneur sort of fitted me so well. I wanted to get involved in absolutely every single area that I could. Um so were, were, were mum and dad um, entrepreneurs or uh, was it something uh, that you, you, know, you, you sort of started to fly the flag for in your family or is, is, you know, is there history in, in the family? No, so my, my, my father was a, a banker, so he's quite risk adverse by nature. Um, it's something that I just, 
yeah, I just I just sort of fell upon. Um, I don't know why I actually got into the wine industry. It all started when I was 18, um, so 11 years ago now. Um, I found myself in an auction. I uh, started bidding on some wine just because it seemed too good to be true uh, at a good value and, and then won it. Uh, and then fast forward three months and I've suddenly got 400 bottles and I think, crikey, I better start selling it. Um, and then decided to turn it into a business. And it's just the wine industry itself is just so interesting. It's, uh, it's a $400 billion industry that's constantly changing. Uh, you know, it's economics, it's politics, biology, geography, geology, sociology, probably some more ologies. Um, and yeah, it's something that's always really fascinated me. Um, I remember the first expensive bottle I bought was a 1919 Hort And I just found it fascinating that, you know, it was made by people that probably aren't alive. Uh, it survived wars. It's traveled around the globe. Um, so what a privilege to drink it. Mm, and and did, it, was, did, what, did you drink it? I didn't. I actually still own it to this day. <laughs> and would it taste good if you tried to? Yeah. Maybe I'll do it next year on its, uh, on its anniversary. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's where sort of the, the business idea really stemmed from. Um, after those searching around on auctions, um, I used to spend hours and hours and hours um, looking at all different auctions and seeing, you know, bottles have been undervalued or misrepresented, which which is more common than you might think, and then put lowball offers on them, um, knowing on on average I'd likely win about one percent, two percent maybe. Um, and I remember at one point I had over five million pounds worth of bids across auctions all across the globe. Wow. Um, yeah, I would have had a serious problem if I'd, if I'd won them all. But um, <laughs> yeah, and it quickly dawned on me from, from that point that it would take such a vast amount of capital to, to turn that into a viable business. So why not connect producers directly with the wine buyers um, and, and take out all the risk of holding stock? That's sort of where wine buyers was born. So, so were you, were you in a scenario there? You could actually, you know, through doing that on, online, you could make a very significant income out of um, just just bidding on on wine, looking for undervalued stock personally, and uh, and and selling it at a higher price. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess technology sort of helped really. Um, when I started, obviously, I knew absolutely nothing about wine, and it's you know, I did it sort of ignorantly. But due diligence is now only a thumb click away, so. Um, it's so easy to check prices, what you're buying at, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just, that's, wine buyers sort of fills the gap where our sort of problem um, in that business was there was no real outlet to sell, there was plenty to buy, um, but there were no real platforms. Um, you couldn't sell wine on eBay, um, you couldn't do it on Amazon at the time, um, so there was no real outlet for the stock. Um, so, yeah, hence wine buyers. So just to, so to understand that a bit more, because people would say, well, actually, online I can go and buy it from, you know, wine from Sainsbury's or M&S or mm-hmm. whatever. Your your unique proposition is you're you're actually not it's not going through a middleman; it's going directly from the vineyard. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So we're we're an online platform that links wine suppliers directly to the end consumer. Uh, we work differently to everybody else on the market in as much as we don't charge commission on anything we sell. Um, and we don't mark up the prices. Uh, we make our revenue by charging the supplier a small monthly subscription fee. 
So on, on wire buys, it would be exactly the same price as if you'd walk into a vineyard and buy it yourself. Um, um, that sort of bit. I mean, without going full nerd on you, um, our real USP uh, is the algorithms built within our API, uh, which is our screen scraping technology. So we will go onto a vineyard's website and pull all the information across and put it on ours. Uh, the benefit of doing that really is that there's no manual work required on the supplier side and it's constantly live data. It updates um, all the time. It's completely dynamic. Um, so everything you can buy is physically available. So, so, so does your success then rely on the number of different vineyards that you get onto your platform? How, how, do, you, how do you manage that and ensure you know, you've not got thousands of vineyards on there so you've got you know you've got a you've got a good choice but it's not overbearing for people who are trying to buy the wine from your site how do you manage that yeah exactly so the reason we've sort of just done this um funding round um is is just because of that we really when we came up with the idea we had no idea how how it would be received by the trade uh, so i sent out a mass email um pitching the idea so to speak and then a link to to sign up for for vineyards and suppliers to, to fill in their details. And we had 2,700 apply overnight. So it's a good problem to have, but, but a problem nonetheless. So our technology on the front end has to be intelligent. We have to be constantly adapting. Um, so our buyer can go on and search and browse, and they're not just inundated with pages and pages of wine, it's, it's intelligent. Oh, so it so it it kind of remembers if I go into it and I you notice that I particularly like say rosé, uh, then it would um, it would be somehow intelligently choosing. I mean, how how do you make sure, for example, that your the you know the vineyards get sort of fair representation? Yeah, I mean, we've got many different ways of doing it, but yeah, as you say, if you particularly sh um, show an interest in champagne, um, we will obviously be doing showing champagne at you. Um, we've got a blog that we've just launched, um, which is growing quite quickly. Um, that's really interesting to give vineyards a voice. Um, we're lucky that we represent quite a number of vineyards in the UK. Uh, there's about 500 now, um, which is sort of blew my mind when I found out there were 500 vineyards in the UK. But we can represent them. And we obviously, their products are so great. The thing with winemakers is they're so passionate about their products. Um, and they've just got a wealth of knowledge behind them. It's it's really interesting to give them that sort of voice to sell their own products rather than a supermarket trying to do it for them. Yeah, and I guess, I guess paying a healthy commission to the supermarket or, or percentage of the, but you know, selling, selling it at a much lower price price than they would ideally like to to get it stocked. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the reasoning, the logic behind the business is that it should be mutually beneficial to all involved. Mm. The is obviously selling directly to the end consumer, so they're maximizing the margins. Um, the buyer is purchasing directly from the source, um, so cutting any middleman fees. And, you know, we're in the middle. If we've got 500, 600 vineyards all paying a small monthly fee, why do we need to make money on the sale of wine? Um, I just think it makes sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. It? So you bring your, your technological sort of savvy to the marketplace and provide a, you know, a, an, an opportunity where you can uh, re represent and uh, be an extra outlet, I guess, for those, uh, those vineyards. 
Yeah, I mean, the wine industry is sort of a traditional industry in a whole. People are used to doing things uh, a certain way, so educating them um, on the reasoning behind the business model is is key to us. Um, so a good example is the first vineyard I actually approached originally said no, um, and they weren't interested, and they're, they're happy the way things are. Um, I'm happy to say a year later that they actually invested in our last funding round uh. and are now on board, so... Yeah, I mean, technology develops. Um, I mean, I don't need to go on about death of the high street, but, you know, e-commerce is sort of the future of the wine industry. So we're just trying to be at the forefront of it. Yeah, so is this, uh, we've got a couple of minutes left till we go to commercial break. So would you describe what you're doing as being kind of disruptive to the industry? Very much so. I mean, there's always, we're not really trying to cut anyone out. There's always going to be room for, um, you know, people selling wine at corner shops, um, but it, it's the convenience factor now. People want things, um, and they they want them quickly. Um, and also, people are a lot more discerning. I think specifically when it comes to products like wine, where it's on the most part an indulgence, um, they will look around for the best prices. Um, so I think it's key to be that competitive. Yeah, that makes uh, makes an awful lot of sense. I noticed that you. There's some pretty high-priced wines on there. I mean, it goes from, you know, if you get a bottle of wine for five or whatever, but uh, there's wine on on your site, which is over a £1,000 a bottle. So do you also uh, sort of, for those people who may be looking to invest in wine, do you provide that opportunity to do that through your outlet as well? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the truth of the matter is we, we launched uh, back in October, uh, but we haven't spent a penny on marketing um, to date. So we have no real idea on you know, we can't pigeonhole a buyer. I sort of naively assumed that it would be towards the high end of the market investment wines, just because that's my background. But, you know, we've had orders for £20, orders for £5,000. We've got such a large spread. Um, I've been banned by our marketing team for using the word one-stop shop, but that's essentially what we want it to be, your, your go-to place to buy wine. Mm. We're going to go to commercial break now. After the commercial break, I'm kind of interested to also explore... Some of the, the challenges and opportunities around being a new, uh, you know, in, having a new business, but being a young entrepreneur as well, and uh, you know, some thoughts and ideas that maybe you can help to educate other people who are thinking about entrepreneurship, but perhaps thinking, I'm too young. So, be back again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Ben, with Val, and we're talking about uh, wine buyers, and we're talking about this uh, this business that. Ben has created that uh, is growing incredibly, incredibly quickly. Ben was just telling me that 26,000 uh, subscribers on the site. And you know, Ben, I think one of the things I think is very refreshing about what you're doing is that you know, for people who are you're selling wine through, you're not getting a commission. You're not um, like uh, some of the other providers, or the other providers in the marketplace who are you know marking up the bottles of wine. You're not doing that. You're just purely charging a commission to the supplier, which. Um, looks like it you know, makes the whole thing very very transparent and the consumer's not you know bearing that burden is that is that correct is that how it works yeah exactly i think um i think one of the reasons is we're growing one of the reasons we're growing so quickly is that transparency the fact that if we recommend a, a bottle of say bulgarian wine it's because we we think it's good um or good value we the, the fact that we don't profit from it means we have no vetted interest um, whatsoever, on, on if it sells, um, I think that sort of honesty really is, is one of the key contributors to us growing quickly. I think it's also great about that is you, you know, you're not trying to push it because you've got a uh, hundred cases sitting in your warehouse gathering yeah. dust. Exactly, it's not like we've got you know, um, yeah, as you say, we've got X amount of bottles that we can't shift, so we're trying to get rid of it, or it's a line that we make the most margin on so that's why we're really trying to sell it hard um yeah exactly yeah just um what was one little question coming to mind um i can't remember i I told you this but i used to i used to be responsible for logistics for five and a half thousand pubs and restaurants and uh i and i remember you know obviously we we uh, i think we're the biggest client um for uh, wine distribution and drink distribution for uh, Carlsberg at the time. And, uh, you know, when you're holding products, it takes up an enormous amount of space and it's a very complex. Uh, I'm guessing through your um, system that you don't manage logistics in any way. You don't have warehouses. It's all purely direct, which must take out a huge amount of complexity if that's the case. Yes, I think um, the truth is probably five six years ago a business model like this just wouldn't work um but the developments in your three major shipping companies dhl fedex and ups um 
you know, make it now the supplier shipping to the end, end consumer before wasn't wasn't possible. You could only send in pallets. Uh, it just wasn't a viable option. But now, not only is it um, not only is it financially viable, it's probably the easiest and most efficient uh, form of transport. Okay, so so the literally the the you know the cases. If somebody ordered a couple of cases from a, a vineyard, they come directly from the vineyard. So so does that mean um, there's a time lag between getting your wine uh, versus you know if you were working with a distributor based in the UK, for example? There can be. I mean, lots of our suppliers, 95% of them physically hold stock in the UK, so it usually isn't a problem. Um, we have to be very careful that we manage the customer's expectations. We tend to find, if you're open and honest and say it's coming from a vineyard in Portugal, um, if it's going to yeah. be two weeks delivery, they're usually fine. It's when, when you say it's going to be two days and then it's two weeks is when you can possibly have issues. But um, yeah, touch wood today, we haven't had any any problems. Yeah, uh, that's great. I think um, people will probably they order some from you. It's you know there's an assumption that everybody needs everything tomorrow, isn't there? But a bit of bit of good planning, and uh, as long as you're getting good value, then sometimes it's worth waiting for that value. So tell us a bit about um, you know any, the challenges that you face. You know, starting. A new business and we've talked about this being you've had several businesses before this one um you know, how have you found it you're 29 years old and um, you're clearly extremely bright and a very capable individual but you know what have your experiences been around you know the challenges or or haven't you had any ah uh, where to start yeah um so uh, sacrifice is probably the hardest thing to deal with it's the biggest challenge i'm, I'm sure it looks really glamorous from the outside but you know, it's it's 80 hours a week of hard graft. Um, for wine buyers, I sold my car, all of my possessions, a lot of my clothes, so quite literally the clothes off my back, um, and moved back in with my parents. Um, and obviously, age of 27, that was less than ideal. Um, so it's, it's such a steep learning curve. Uh, you have to have a good grasp of finance and economics um, and all matters financial, HR and legal mostly take place before you can even afford to have the team around you to deal with the issues. So it's, uh, that's a really big challenge. Funding is obviously the most difficult thing at the moment. Uh, at a time where banks aren't really forthcoming in lending, it's, it can be difficult to raise finance, let alone if you're you know, 18, 19, walking into a bank with a business plan asking for money. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many people said no, probably upwards of 100. Um, so that's why we decided to go down the crowdfunding route. So it's real resilience that's been required to put this together. Exactly. Um, so we've just done our um, crowdfunding raise on Crowdcube, and it's it's a thirty day campaign. Um, but you're actually the work behind it is it's probably about a year to fourteen months of of work goes in the lead up to it. Uh, you have to be so well prepared. Uh, from your business plans to everything. It, it, obviously, on the front end, it looks like you just put up a video and then just watch the money roll in, but couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. And, and how, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of intrigued. You know, how did how did mum and dad take it when uh, you seem to be you know, doing doing well for yourself? You've got to get this idea, uh, and then literally you sell everything and move back in with them to pursue this dream. I mean, did that take you know a, a you know, a leap of faith for everybody, really, uh, for you to be able to do that, or um, 
or wasn't it a problem? Yeah, I mean, I was I was met by a certain amount of scepticism um, regarding my age and ability to see the business through. But I was fortunate enough to have the com- complete support of my family and my friends who all believed in not only the concept of the business, but also my ability to persevere. Um, yeah, it must, be a, it must be very proud the way it's uh, all starting to come together. It's certainly, uh, certainly very busy. I mean, everyone's... Um, been great so far it's the team um i mean that's such an important thing as well if if i had one thing to say to an um another entrepreneur who's who's thinking about starting a business it's it's build a good team around you um it's easy to become a little bit isolated when uh when you're younger than a lot of the people that you're employing um they may have a lot more of experience but you have to have the confidence to know when to persevere with your with your own vision but also the confidence to know when to take advice. Um, and, is, and is that one of the things that has been, you know, helpful for you in terms of, you know, we, we all we all have gaps in our expertise, and uh, and actually sometimes you've got to you've got to go through that journey like you have done with with crowdfunding. Uh, you know, how do you, uh, you know, perceive sort of mentors and people like that? Do you have a lot of external people that you you counsel? Uh, and um, you support? We, yes, uh, I mean, there, there are different strengths in different people um, and different qualities, you know, required depending on the business they're in. Um, in the case of wine buyers, we sort of straddle the boundary between um, various sort of areas. We're, we're, we're a tech company at heart, um, but we facilitate the purchase of wine. But obviously, as we don't make a profit on the sale of goods, we're, you know, we could be positioned as a marketing company. So we've got to have the ability to adapt to the environment we're in and have that sort of agility to to move around. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but 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 are you? Um, but, but you know, have you sought counsel from others, or are you, are you able to? Because it is, as you say, you're, you're a tech company. It's uh, it, it's something often that younger people know more about than uh, than people have been often been around for many years. It's um, it, it's almost some bit flowing through with uh, with later generations. Uh, do you need to seek uh, wisdom and counsel from people, and uh, or, or do you, you just pave your own way? Um, definitely. I mean, we've got a really good team at the moment. Especially our, our web developers are amazing. Um, they blow me away. I had a meeting with them this morning, and they just you know they just see the matrix. You plug them in and let them go, and they're absolutely fantastic. Um, it's one of the things that really came off the back of crowdfunding, which I didn't anticipate. The fact that we had 300 people invest, a lot of them in the industry, um, and they just got such a wealth of knowledge behind them. Um, it's great to get their their opinions, their strategies. Um, we have regular meetings. I had two investors come up um, on Wednesday. We had a big meeting with about the progression of the company. Um, so it's yeah, it's really nice to be able to utilize that. Um, from people who have actually got a vetted interest in the company succeeding. Uh, so that's really interesting. That so you're actually getting uh, through that crowdfunding, you're getting um, advice and and knowledge and insight uh, from your customers, who are also part part owners of your business now. I guess. Yeah, I mean, specifically with the wine industry in general, I think it's it's really not difficult to be humble. Um, there's you know, there's so much experience out there. Um, every day I'm talking to people who have been in the industry since before I was born. 
Um, they've got such a wealth of knowledge. Um, it's it's fantastic. Mm, just, and are you finding that everybody out there wants wine buyers to succeed, or uh, are there you know other areas that where that's looking at you and seeing as being too disruptive? Um, oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'd like to think that everyone's on our side. Um, I mean, there's room for everyone. Um, that's what I'd like to think. Uh, we are somewhat disruptive um, in the technology that we that we bring. Um, I'm sure we'll ruffle some a few feathers along the way. Um, but I think you know it's it's a 400 billion dollar industry, so I, th- I think there's room for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. It's, it's massive. The other thing I think is you know great with this industry and fascinating. People have been drinking wine for thousands of years. So it's not new, is it? It's not something that, you know, that uh, that tends to go away. It's uh, it, it's it's something that, uh, you know, has passed through the generations. The art and skill of of winemaking and the desire to consume it. So, I mean, that must be pretty encouraging. It's not not uh, you know a, a a fashion fad. Exactly. I mean, even as the UK is a prime example, the wine industry is going growing so quickly um i think we're up 30 percent on vineyards this year than last year and um, with global warming it's all changing um even down on the south coast you know a lot of the french vineyards are now buying property um and land over on the chalky soil down in kent just because they can see that progression of the industry moving to the uk market that's interesting, isn't it? They'll be pretty pleased at the moment, Ben, because it's uh, everywhere starting to look pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, unfortunately, the the weather over in France over the last harvest was um, abysmal. So, uh, yeah, it's it's, um, it's always developing interest industry. It's there's always something to find. There's always something new. Um, even I mean, every day we're seeing new people doing new things. Um, there's even um, a, a winery in London that are just producing some fantastic products that you would you would never even think like in the middle of the city called renegade um, london wine um and they're producing such fantastic products um it, it's brilliant uh, and is, is um is british wine becoming more affordable i think so i mean when it scales um that that always helps um it's it's always considered sort of a luxury product um the nature of our soil and the grapes, it lends itself to sparkling wine, uh, which is usually made in the traditional method, uh, which is quite time-consuming. I, mean, I think the old, the old phrase is, uh, how do you make a millionaire, um, get a billionaire and get them to start a, a vineyard? <laughs> <laughs> so um, are you noticing uh, you know, vineyards, what, you know, thinking about like, Pubs are diminishing. Are you seeing vineyards around the world expanding and increasing in numbers? Are they consolidating? How's that uh, the marketplace changing? I think it's just more of an option. Like um, people necessarily didn't think it was a, a business that they could go into to develop wines, and it's with most industries, it's that much easier to do it these days. Um, and obviously, the internet helps to get your voice out there. Um, we're hearing from you know people. We've got a Croatian vineyard that stores their wine underwater. We've got one in Lanzarote that um, grows their wine up up a volcano. Um, you know, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful things, and that's really what we're trying to champion on wine buyers. Um, why would you store wine underwater? Um, at the temperature mainly. 
Uh, I mean, there's an argument for sound waves as well. I'm not sure I, I totally buy into that. Um, but yeah, it's the consistent cool temperature. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I have to get your bottle, Chris. They come in um, uh, covered in barnacles. It's, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and you can actually, I think you can go out there and dive for it yourself. Um, <laughs> wow. In that area and pick it up. Oh, so it's literally uh, stored in the sea. Yeah, literally stored in the sea. That's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, a novel idea. I know um, Verve Chico uh, also tried to do the same thing. I'm not sure. I think it's due for release next year. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that turns out. Excellent. And do you, uh, do you have the time to drink yourself? Are you working 80 hours a week? Uh, unfortunately not. No, not really. I mean, I try and get to as many tastings as possible. Uh, we had a stand at the London Wine Fair, which was fantastic. You just get to meet, you know, thousands of people, you know, hundreds and hundreds of growers um, who all love telling their story. They're so passionate. They're all doing different things. Um, but, yeah, um, unfortunately, not as much as I'd like to. Yeah, well, it must be quite hard, but you've got to concentrate <laughs> as well to, uh, to be drinking too much, uh, too much wine. Um, so we're going to go to commercial break again in, the, in, in a moment, but I'd like to just have a you know, chat with you about this, uh, you know, your view on risk and setbacks and some of the advice that you would give to young people who are setting out now. So uh, we're going to be back again in just a couple of, uh, couple of minutes and uh, after, after the break we'll be back again obviously with Ben and we'll continue this conversation and uh, I'd like to find out a bit more about the future plans for wine buyers as well and this, uh, this great idea and concept that you've, uh, you've taken to market. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Ben Rebel. We're talking about about wine buyers, and uh, we're talking about uh, entrepreneurship when you're when you're a young guy like uh, like Ben. Um, ben, just before we, I'd like to talk about your team actually, but before we we do that, I just want to wonder from this crowdfunding 
experience that you've been to. Have you got any uh, top tips that you would give to people about raising capital through through crowdfunding? Do's and don'ts. Yeah, I mean, preparation is key. Um, it's for us, but mainly particularly because we were in the wine industry, we had um, interest from West Coast America um, and out in Asia as well. So it's having the ability to have prepared answers. Um, they will, it's a very public way of almost getting to proof of concept. I mean, that's sort of it in a nutshell. If you, if you go on a public forum like this, if you fund, that's sort of a pat on the back, well done, it could work. Um, but if you don't, then, you know, it could cause you problems. It's, um, it, yeah, it's a lot of hard work. Um, it, it looks super easy, I know. Um, but, yeah, it's that sort of preparation and, and, yeah, having a good campaign, a good run-up to it, and trying to get an initial injection of capital before you even go live will, will significantly help. Mm, so you've got to get a, a lot of people through your your documentation and through the crowdfunding process excited about it and I guess that brings a, a huge amount of different questions coming back to you uh, and uh, obviously people want to be sure there's real diligence behind it. Exactly I mean a, a, a platform like Crowdcube uh, they're regulated by the FCA quite rightly so so you've done a good job just to even get on there uh, there's obviously quite a lot of legal hoops that you need to to jump through and um, to get yourself even listed. Um, but yeah, in terms of don'ts, so I'll just say, just don't go on there quickly. Um, you can obviously get there, go on there and just put up a video and hope for the best, but it's a real long, hard slog. Mm, so it's all in the planning, is it? All in the planning. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Taking the time to do it right. And, and that must be quite a costly process, really, because getting, getting all of yourself, uh, you know, fighting fit for... Uh, the crowdfunding, and then I guess you've got to take a few deep breaths and be brave. I mean, how did you, uh, you know, feel? It must have been an emotional uh, roller coaster, really, going through that. So the, the the whole concept, as you say, is out there for um, you know, global viewing. Definitely. I mean, I'm not sure if other platforms are the same, but with with Crowdcube, it, it's an all or nothing situation. You need to hit your target, or you don't get a penny. Um, so it's I, I can't actually remember the date where we hit our target, but Investments come in very sporadically. Um, there's lots of people answering, asking questions, and then you have to answer them comprehensively enough to, you know, to convince them to, to commit their money to invest. Um, so it's a big, it's a big ask, and it's um, yeah, we're very thankful that it, uh, it all went smoothly in the end. And what did you learn about, you know, th what you have to, you know, give these people back? I mean, I've heard, you know, crowdfunding where people have been. Um, getting paid in dividends in bread and all sorts of different uh, you know clever schemes and ideas where there's some value that's coming back for those people who have a share in the business when it might be a while before they get some kind of a dividend back you know what what, what have you come up with to uh, creatively attract people yeah so we gave away shares in the company so it was an it was an equity raise uh, we ended up giving um, just over five percent um, in total so obviously it's fantastic to have the investment on board it does feel a little bit like we're giving away part of you know my baby that we've seen we've seen grow um, but it's it's so interesting we've got so many people asking questions you know things that we didn't even really think about um, 
and it's great to see such positive support just as the for the very concept itself yeah but all sorts of ideas that you can improve that way exactly i mean it's great user feedback um with a website like ours we are an e-commerce platform where people go to buy wine it's constantly changing constantly developing um and the sort of user experience is is key to us succeeding so having i think their newsletter went out to about three hundred thousand people um so obviously just going live our hits went through the roof um and we got a lot of feedback um for for little improvements on on how we could adjust the website brilliant brilliant so tell me a bit about you know the about people because you mentioned you got some really great people working with you i know you're you're really expanding now so you're taking on uh, people regularly uh, how what have you learned about uh, you know building the right team in this kind of a kind of a scenario and attracting the right people uh, to join you uh, i would say it's probably one of the most difficult things um just because it's one of the most vital um for us we've we've grown quickly out of necessity we've got this unprecedented demand from the trade um and as a consequence we couldn't afford to drip feed the market we initially the way we initially intended um so we've done the crowdfunding and now our team's growing incredibly quickly um i mean we've had five people join um just in the last couple of days um and yeah getting the right people on board um is the most is the most important thing and, and do you have any you know processes you go through to make sure you do get the right person do you, do you go through a rigorous process of several interviews and you know maybe some psychometric profiling or what, what, what do you do yeah um, not quite that in depth but um <laughs> we do have quite a few it really depends on the sort of area we're we're recruiting for um our web developers are absolutely fantastic um our website's written in Symfony, which is um, a particular form of PHP, which means there's, um, there's a specific skill set. Um, we've got quite a wide team with a varied background from luxury goods, quite a few in the wine industry. Um, Kira, our head of marketing, is brilliant. She's, um, she comes from an events background in antiques, which is mm. actually quite similar to, um, to wine in many ways. Um, yeah, and we're, um, we've actually got a couple of apprentices as well, which we've just taken on board, which um, are absolutely fantastic. They're so so enthusiastic about about the product. It's nice to have a team that fully supports the idea, um, connecting the the vineyard directly to the consumer. Mm. Have, have you ever had any sort of crises of confidence? You know, when you think, oh, I'm not sure I can actually go through and do this and make it happen, or or is is confidence in your DNA? Um, I mean, it, it's, I've, I've always got, had confidence in, in the product. There's always hurdles that you, and little setbacks that are inevitable, I think, in any business. It's usually the little things that I get frustrated with, like a, a small web update, which nobody would even really care about or notice, uh, being deployed a day later than we expected. Um, but in the, in the core team, it's always... There's always challenging, whether it's, you know, down to cash flow or, um, you know, some small errors having knock-on effects across the business. Um, luckily, we've had a pretty smooth ride so far. Mm. And what, do you, what do you think your 
you know, personal unique talents. You've obviously built brought all these people in to do sort of technology and uh, and you mentioned Kira there, who's uh, handles marketing. Um, what what do you think uh, are your core competences? Um, oh, great question. Um, I think it was either Warren Buffett or or Bill Gates or someone who said, "Always hire a lazy man to do a job because uh, they'll find the quickest way to do it." <laughs> <laughs> and I I am that lazy man in as much as um, my strengths really lie in finding the best solution. And the best solution may be a person to do a job or a, a particular way of code to access some sort of information. Um, and I like to think we've actually spotted a gap in the market that, I mean, wine buyers as a concept, I just couldn't believe that it hadn't been done before. It just didn't make sense to me why there's such a process of wine being delivered to three, four, five different people that are all taking a cut in it. And then it goes on the shelves and I just... Consumer behavior is changing. People are going to e-commerce, you know, to buy products. And I just, I couldn't understand why people weren't doing that with wine. Uh, you know, it's quite an intimidating thing for people to go and buy wine from the shelves. Most people don't really, you know, myself included, don't really know um, what they're buying. You know, there's such, there's 10,000 grape varieties, for example. There's nobody can be an expert. So that sort of education online is so much easier than you know, a tiny little sticker in a, in a supermarket. That's a really good question, actually. How, how would you recommend people who come to your site, uh, how would you recommend that they, that they identify, you know, the, the, the right wine for them or, you know, one that just simply tastes good, you know? It's... The thing is, wine is, is so subjective. People obviously have completely different tastes when it comes to wine. Um, educating them is... Is, is always a challenge, but it, it's getting them to feel involved and trying wines that, you know, they never would have even heard of. Um, and, you know, wines that's exclusive, they can't find them in the supermarkets. It's not your, you know, cheap bottle of Plonk um, that's, that's no good. Mm. Um, I think that sort of transparency and the way we do it is, you know, one of the reasons that, I hope that we're going to succeed. Um, the fact that if we're suggesting a bottle uh, because we think it's good for our, our team inside of tasting it, and we think it's good, we, we're physically not making any money in it. So not having a vetted interest in in the product itself is, um, yeah, really an, an added benefit. So how, how do you have to be, I mean, how you give that advice without... If you've got favourites, say, you know, there's half a dozen bottles of wine that you particularly love, um, how do you manage to communicate that without um, upsetting you know, all of the other people who, you, um, you know, who, you're, who are paying a commission to offer wine from your side? How do you manage to do that authentically? Um, well, I think it's luckily the, the way the technology is built, we can recommend different things to different people. Um, depending on their, their, user, their user habits. Um, so if we go back to that um, thing about champagne, if someone's particularly likes champagne, we can recommend something that's similar. Um, we've got um, a food pairing filter, for example, we've just put on so if you, you can choose sushi and then it will pick a wine that goes to sushi almost, almost in reverse. So find a, find a wine you like and then you can pick the food as well. Um, and it's the same as... Uh, a grape filter, for example, if you particularly like um, 
champagne um, we can recommend some chardonnays which might be very similar but slightly different and this is why it's different and it's it's one of those things it's sort of bragging rights almost someone can buy a bottle of wine on our website get a super quick little synopsis of what it's about and then you know take it to a to a dinner party and um reel off all this spiel about where it was made and it was you know sue and bob in kent made it with the you know the um Excellent. Hey, I'm going to have to. Um, I've, got to just, I've got to just realise the time was sort of uh, near, near the end now. Do you have any? Um, if you got three bits of advice that you give to a young entrepreneur, what would they be? Three bits of advice. Um, I mean, everyone can have ideas, um, but without funds, you won't go anywhere. Um, so, getting the right idea is is one thing, but the, you need to understand the pragmatic side of running a business. That's key. Um, sacrifice as well. Uh, you've got to be willing to work very hard. Obviously, it looks good on paper being your own boss, but there's a lot of hard work involved. Um, and get the right team, get the right support. Um, you, you'll never do it alone. Um, you'd be surprised to see how much you can achieve um, if you've got the right people on board. Yeah, that makes uh, an enormous amount of sense. Uh, just um, uh, one sort of last question. I mean, what will uh, we see from wine buyers, you think? What will, be, what will be success for you in, say, two or three years' time if you look back? I mean, in the short term, we just want to keep improving the technology behind our smart platform. Um, at the moment, we're developing new features. We're growing the team. Um, but in the long term, we want wine buyers to lead the innovation in wine tech. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed you being on the show, Ben. I think you've given a really uh, helpful account to... Uh, to people who are maybe thinking about developing a business or concept and what goes behind you know, generating a business that uh, is you know, successful for a platform like uh, you know, Crowdcube uh, and uh, to be able to raise, raise funds. It seems to me, like you said, you know, why hasn't anyone done this before? But that's often the case, isn't it? And uh, I think you've created a you know, really fascinating niche that seems to add great value to the, to the vineyard and, and particularly the, the consumer. So, you know, great respect. I, I hope it's uh, an enormous success for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Hopefully I'll be, I'll be back. Uh, in a year's time and we'll be global it'll be lovely to hear that and in the meantime i'd really recommend you know, Twenty six thousand people so far have um, subscribed to winebuyers.com doesn't cost anything and why not uh, go to winebuyers.com why not uh, subscribe if you like wine and uh, and just check out what's in there and uh, as you know, ben's mentioned there there's no markup going to wine buyers at all it comes from this small commission that goes back to the vineyard. It seems to be a win-win from all perspectives. So I hope you enjoy your wine um, from Fire um, Wine Buyers. And uh, once again, say a huge thank you to Ben. On next week's show, uh, we have Rory Devine. Rory's been described as um, the one of the best technologists in the UK. He's the uh, only person to have been featured on the cover of CIO magazine twice. I think he's been... Um, identified as um, IT leader of the year by computing magazine. So a really fascinating guy. And he's going to talk about um, growth hacking, about really understanding you know, the key components to um, take your business uh, growth to the next level. So do join us again next week. And say once again, a huge thank you to, um, uh, to our guest today, um, who's been um, obviously talking with us about winebuyers.com. So uh, thanks, Ben. And I will speak to you all very soon.
We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.